This is the Critical Conversations podcast, a KPOV special project developed to feature unique perspectives and the courage it takes to go there, challenge mundane thought, and question the norm. Christine and I are so happy to be here today with Gwenna Hunter, the founder of Vegans for Black Lives Matter and the founder for Vegans of LA. She's also involved in other animal rights groups, vegan outreach, and Animal Save, and she's working on more. (laughs) Welcome, Gwenda. Thank you so much. Thank you. (laughs) Tell us how you came to found either of these. What happened that made you want to do that? Um, Well, the one I created first, which is pretty much just a social media more of a social media account, uh, Vegans of LA. I wasn't even vegan when I created it. Oh, really? No, because I, I was vegetarian. I was like, well, Vegetarians of LA doesn't sound, doesn't have the best ring to it. <laughs> <laughs> and I figured, well, you know what? People would probably want to come in to a page that says Vegans of LA more than Vegetarians of LA. So Vegans of LA is what won. But what happened was I was kind of new on the scene in in LA and was interested in being vegan, not for any type of animal advocacy reasons or anything like that. I just wanted to push my discipline and see if I could do it. And I started doing like, I did a meetup and a lot of people came and I was like, oh, this is a cool way to make friends and meet people. And so I just started doing more and more meetups. And so somebody was like, you should claim the name, you know, put it on, put it on Facebook. So I started posting little things on Facebook. Again, I wasn't vegan yet. And I just saw so many conversations around things I would post. And I was so lost because I'm like, what? People say, oh, that's species. I'm like, what is that? Like just the language around being vegan, I was completely out of my league and had no idea what I was saying, what I was doing. So I was just posting jokes and stuff most of the time. (laughs) I had no idea what I was doing. And, um, and then I started, you know, I didn't really know any other like black vegans. Like I just not in real life, you know? And so I ended up coming across an article about the invisible vegan, which was a uh, documentary about black vegans. And, ve- and black people going vegan and I posted the uh, link to the tr- movie trailer and I went from like having 2,500 followers to like 8,000 overnight and then it was oh like 30,000 the next day and I was like wow. and it was like all black people I'm like oh my god this is crazy this is where everybody is so, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that was a, that's that's been a fun journey um and then vegans for black lives matter I created that back in June and literally, I really don't like groups, you know, creating like Facebook groups because you have to do a lot of nurturing in those groups and keep the conversation going and stimulate people and how's your day and create topics like I just did not have the bandwidth for that. So but I didn't think anybody would join. I was like, well, maybe, you know, we'll get 100 people that will join the group. And I created the group because it really felt like a divine pain like it really wasn't me it was like a thought that came in and said vegans for black lives matter i'm like oh that's brilliant (laughs) okay i'll create it but nobody's gonna join and i created the group thinking i'll work on it in the next couple of weeks but i just created it and the next day there were like over 500 people in the group (laughs) my goodness that's amazing 
Yeah, and it kept growing. And so we had to finally make it really strict and not let any more people in unless they met all of the criteria. So we're now like at about 4,800, but I promise you, if we hadn't done that, there were probably over 30,000 people in that group because it was like, even now, it'll taper off. And then overnight, there'll be tons of people trying to join, but we make people answer questions. We check to see how long they've been on Facebook because, you know, people want to come in and infiltrate and crash the party um, and say things. So we're very, very strict on who comes into the group. Tell me when you, if we can go back to Vegans of LA, um, mm-hmm. it sounds like you started that, you know, to kind of create a, uh, you know, a, a way of networking with people and meeting people in an area that you just moved to. And, how long did it take you to actually evolve into saying, well, I'm no longer vegetarian, I become a vegan? And what was that process like? Yeah, so I would say within maybe three to four months of me creating the, the group on Facebook is when I actually became vegan. Yeah, I mean, it started with me being vegetarian in a sense, but I had no idea I would take the path that I would take. And that it will become about the planet, the animals and health and all these other reasons. But what happened was I ended up having this dream. And uh, in the dream, I was flying in the sky. I saw this cow. Cow looked up at me. We looked in each other's eyes. We merged and became one with each other. And I was the cow. And I felt all the cow's conscious thoughts, feelings, emotions, joy, sadness, suffering, everything. And when I came out of the dream, I was like extremely emotional because I'm like, oh, my God cows love and they love their children and they suffer and they feel joy and they're ha- they have more of an acute awareness than we do and we're eating them and so it was just like you know because even as a vegetarian even though I didn't eat cows I didn't care if anyone else did so if you wanted to have a steak that was on you like it didn't there was no morality in it for me but once I had the awareness that they were aware. And I'm like, well, if cows are aware, they all have to be aware. And what really drove it in was like, I would say within a couple of weeks, it wasn't very long, it was definitely less than a month. Um, I ended up seeing the video, Dairy is Effing Scary by Aaron And It's like a little five minute video, it goes by really quick, but it physically showed the process of how we take their milk and what we do to their sons and make them you know, veal and what we do to the female cows over and over. And as I'm watching this, like my connection, I connected with her as a woman. I'm like, look at what we're doing to her body. Look at what we're doing to her udders. Look at what we're doing to her children. Look at how we're forcing, like it was rape and it was slavery. That's exactly what I saw. And so after that, I was like, I will never touch. Cause I didn't think dairy was cruel. I thought, that's what the cows did. Like they gave us their milk. Like I was so in locked in the program and it never dawned on me that that's not what, you know, it was supposed to be about. So yeah, once I had that dream and then I saw that video, I was like, Oh God, never again. And then, you know, it was my mission to wake everybody up and I did it in that crazy vegan way (laughs) where I was just like showing all these videos. We got to stop this. Look at this. You know, I was like crazy for like four months because I was just overwhelmed by this new information. And I started to, you know, learn that 
there, you know, we don't need to get calcium from them. We can get it from vegetables. We don't need to get, you know, protein from animals. We can get it from plants. And I'm like, they didn't teach me this, you know? So I was angry at this whole world, at my teachers, at everybody for me growing up like this and never even knowing that I was causing all this pain and suffering with not having a single clue. It's a, it's a very interesting insight that you have, that you looked at it in a sense of slavery, which it is. I mean, we're mm-hmm. enslaving 10 billion animals just so that we can eat them every year. I mean, it's just... And it sounds um, disgusting. Like when you say that we're yes. enslaving animals so we can eat them, it sounds like a horror movie. Yeah. It's like you come to this planet and you come as a free being you know, to live and experience joy, but everybody's looking at you. They want to eat you. Everybody wants to eat you, eat your, eat your organs, eat your legs, eat your stomach, eat your back, eat all these things off your body. But you're a fully realized, conscious, aware being. You just don't speak the language, but you didn't come here for us to be putting us in your body. So it's like a horror movie that, you know, someone would be born on this planet and be looked at as food. So did you transition over a four-month period or did you just stop cold? Like, I was going to use the term cold turkey. I know. Which, like, look, <laughs> I'm sorry, I still I slip. Look. <laughs> I, I said you can catch tofu. all of those. Cold tofu. Cold tofu. Cold tofu. <laughs> well, you could say cold tofurky. Yeah, yes, tofurky. There, there you go. go. That's even better. <laughs> so, did you trans? Was it a long transition, or did you? Well, once I just saw change immediately. Well, when I saw, had the cow dream, um, I still didn't make the connection to dairy because I still thought that they created that for us because I didn't know it was cruel in my mind. The program I was sold was that, you know, the farmer has on his blue jean overalls. He sits down on the stoop and he sits with the cow and he goes like this and she goes, moo, and then it comes out. That's the fairy tale I had. So when I saw the Aaron Janet's video, I stopped immediately. And I was like, oh, my God, this is what this is. So when I saw that video, I stopped instantly. And the name of that video you said was Dairy is Scary? Darius is actually, I'm not going to curse, but it's Darius effing scary. Oh, okay. (laughs) And thank you for not cursing. (laughs) Because because community radio, we have to be careful about that. So thank you. I don't want you to get any fines. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I haven't watched that particular one, but I've watched many, many, many of similar things over the years that I've been in this lifestyle. So I know how horrible it is. Yeah, yeah. So as your organization evolved, what type of goal or mission did you have for Vegans of L.A.? Um, In the beginning, it was just to post about the meetups I was creating. That's all I was going to do. But then I would see little funny things. I'm like, oh, I'll post this little joke. Like I was just posting, um, posting that type of stuff. And then one of my friends, she would like send me an article you know, every time an athlete or somebody went vegan, she'd be like, why don't you post this? So I started posting little articles and they would get responses. I was like, oh, people don't just want the funny stuff. They want to actually engage and, you know, what's going on. 
So then I started doing that more and more. And so um, I just started posting articles and then I would do, I started doing like bigger meetups where we would meet up at restaurants. So at the time, the goal was to like go all over LA and do meetups at different restaurants and bring people together um, in that fashion. Um, but as I started getting involved more in the community and working in it, you know, because eventually I got hired and started working in it. It just became a little bit too much <laughs> to juggle all those things. And then I started for like vegan outreach, putting on like larger events. So like we did, I don't know if you all had heard of it, but there was, well, this was in LA. Um, it was called the Mac down. It was a, uh, mac and cheese cooking competition. So uh, we put that on um, two or three years in a row. And I just started becoming like the events person where I started putting on like larger events. And it's so weird because that was never my niche, never an interest, never a desire. And I'm like, how did I get here? <laughs> how did I start <laughs> doing events? <laughs> but you must be good at it. Yeah. Yeah. I very, um, but, very yeah, it just it's weird how that became my thing because it was never even in the back of my mind as something that I even fantasized about. I had no desire to ever put on events. I just saw I just looked at those type of things as like networking opportunities to get together, but then it just evolved and I just, just started running with it. So are you I assume these are events that are open to the general public. Yeah, but I don't do them as much. I kind of started moving away from it a little bit just because of uh, my other focuses with what I was doing with my work, especially that involved vegan outreach. So I kind of got away from doing the community events and networking, just started like going to let other people put in that work and I would just go to their events <laughs> after <Yeah>. a while. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Found that to be a little easier. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. So your work with Vegans for Black Lives Matter, can you talk a little bit about that? I know you formed it right in the middle of the pandemic. Is it, again, more over, uh, you know, more of a, a Internet type thing? Or? Well, it's, so right now it's a group. It's a private group on Facebook. It's just right around uh, just slightly under 5,000 uh, people. And I'm trying to get away from using the term safe space because sometimes conversations happen in there and I can't save people from what evolves from these conversations. But it is a place where people, black and white, can come in and kind of it, what it became initially in the beginning. And I didn't even know what it was going to be like people like what's the purpose of this group? I'm like, I have no idea. This was like a divine thought to create this. Let's just you know create it together and see how it evolves. So in the beginning, because it was literally right in the middle of the George Floyd situation, mm. people were just coming in and purging and purging their their anxiety, their fears. People were mad at each other. There was a lot of anger. There was a lot of uh, white people that were expressing their guilt over what's going on in the world. People just sharing their emotions. So I tried to take the opportunity to find out what people knew and, and educate people. So it would be, you know, posting videos about, you know, the Tuskegee experiment. Do you, do you did you learn about this in school? And so many people like I'd never even heard of the Tuskegee experiment. Mm. Um, did you hear about the Rosewood massacre? Do you know about, uh, you know, the Black Wall Street massacre? And, and it was just amazing at how many people had never even heard of these situations or even knew that these things had happened, you know, in history. And so, 
It's because they're taught that in, in schools. They yeah. aren't taught about what happened. Mm-hmm. Right. No. Exactly. You Even know, in and my that's why they're school. so ignorant of it. And I mean, when you start talking about it, the fact that none of the men, the uh, African-American men that fought in World War II, they didn't get the benefits that white people did, all the redlining. I yes. mean, and, I mean, it is you need to know this to understand because yes. why understand. things are the way they are. <laughs> exactly. So you know that black people aren't just complaining. Like a lot of these situations, we were set up so that we would have a certain type of disadvantage. So it's important for people to understand that. And so it was just shocking to see how many people had never even had these conversations or never been presented with this information their entire lives. You know, so many conversations happen in the group. And like I said, it initially, and it still is in a sense, it's a place where people can kind of come in and purge, um, ask questions, but sometimes things get so sensitive. So it's like, you know, somebody might come in and say, well, that that's not what you all should be doing. You all should be doing this. And then you'll have somebody say, well, who are you to tell us what we should yeah. do? And then you got this going on. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I say I don't like to call it a safe space because, you know, I've been messaged at one o'clock in the morning. So-and-so is uh, saying this to me. And I'm like, look, I'm going to bed. You all yeah. fight this out and figure it out on your own. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to be the mediator of all of yeah, these conversations, not all the chance, right? Yeah. I had no idea what I was taking on. Like it, it, it truly is a task, especially when you have this, when this is the nature of this isn't like a vegan group with like recipes and people just went vegan. And so everybody's in a good mood and they're wanting to show pictures. This is a place of a lot of pain. Yeah. And so people don't understand, like, this is not always very easy to manage because people are constantly in my inbox wanting to explain why they said something, or I don't think this is fair. So-and-so said this to me. I think this is, this group is racist. This isn't right. I don't like, so I'm getting so many messages constantly from people that don't understand and that are very still, because what I found like in the group, and this is kind of how it can be, you know, just in the world in general, because black people have dealt with so much, we have a higher tolerance for BS and a higher tolerance Mm -hmm. for like maybe pain, like emotionally. And so, and oftentimes with someone that's white that may have had a little bit more of a sheltered experience, the sensitivity is very, is very high. So if someone corrects them or says, hey, don't do this or don't say that because that makes me feel a certain way, that will totally make them want to disengage. And then they'll go in my inbox and get mad at me. And it's like, hey, I didn't even have the conversation (laughs) with you. So it's just, you know, you have to have a lot of resilience because you're constantly uh, taking in a lot of people's emotions and a lot of people's pain. And so that's something that people don't really consider because it, like I said, the subject matter is is really intense so it's not like i said it's, it's one of those groups where you know i try to make it happy sometime and put fun things in there but so much bs is going on in the world i can only buffer that so much <laughs> sure sure yeah and it's all risen to the surface because of you know what happened in minneapolis and and then yeah. well i mean it's i mean there's so many so many that have occurred so many murders that have occurred yes of black people by the in the hands of the cops and then you know i have to take care of my own emotional health and sometimes i have to disengage and stay away from the group myself and i'm like you know what i don't want to deal with the group this week because i don't want to 
feel any of that pain. I don't want to know what's happening in the news. I don't want to know who got shot. I don't want to know what injustice happened this week. I just want to be ignorant this week and not feel any hurt or any pain. So there's a lot that goes in with managing these type of groups. Oh, definitely. Wow. I don't know how you do it with thousands of people. Well, thank God I have some people that stepped up and offered to be moderators because sometimes I'll message them. I'm like, hey, I'm out of here today. Can you handle? (laughs) I got some tough minds. (laughs) I I was curious as to a recent event that you had, uh, Mm -hmm. which had some very heavy hitters, including yourself, uh, talking about what has gone on in the... uh, vegan movement or animal protection movement. Oh, yeah. (coughs) Where you had the president of Mercy for Animals and the Humane League, as well as yourself, and and, uh, Melanie Joy, who used to be the president of Beyond Carnism. Yeah. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about it? I think it'd be kind of something that our audience would be interested in hearing about. Yeah. So we basically had a conversation about, you know, race and privilege and, you know, kind of talking about it in, within this movement, because I know when I first got involved in the movement, you know, I'm here in, in L.A., so the community here really took me in and really embraced me, but it was all white. Like I said, I didn't know any black vegans for a long time. Not that they weren't, they didn't exist. I just didn't see any, <laughs> especially in animal rights, um, not in the plant-based world of just food, Yes, but within animal rights, no. And I remember like if I brought up anything regarding social justice or any type of uh, issues regarding police brutality, people just look at me and like almost like change the subject. And I'm like, this is weird. Like nobody would even engage me in a conversation like that. And I'm thinking, well, if you all understand what's happening with animals, you definitely, to me, should be all over what's happening with humans because you are in a human's body. So it should be natural for you to want to connect and engage on that level as well, because I figured if anybody should understand, it should be animal rights activists. That was my thinking. But I realized soon that most people did not want any of that being brought up, didn't even really want to engage in it, period. And... um And so it's always been something that kind of, for me, created a love-hate relationship with the animal rights community because it's like, well, I love what you're doing with the animals and all this, but I hate the fact that you all sometimes are very anti-intersectional and don't even want to have the conversation because we need you. We need strong, unapologetic voices because if we could do it by ourselves, we would have done it already. We need the whole world in on this. So... You know, that's something that we were kind of like trying to touch on a little bit. I was trying to keep it a little bit gentle because I didn't want to like go off anything on that one. But um, but yeah, we, we touched on those different things and how, you know, people in the animal rights community, you know, different ways that we can all get involved and help. And I do understand that um, as animal rights activists, we already do feel the trauma because of what's going on with animals. I mean, I can barely myself even look at a slaughter video anymore like I see something I hurry up and scroll because I'm like oh I can't take that into my spirit right now I got too much other stuff going on so if I sit and watch that I might fall apart and I'm more effective 
um, solid <laughs> than I am falling apart. So I do understand that not everybody has the capacity uh, emotionally to uh, engage with both things. But it's like, please don't be anti about it either. So if you can't engage in both and it's too much for you, totally makes sense. But don't create a whole movement within the movement to not engage with other people that are asking you to fight, help them fight for their rights as well. Because one of the things that I find to be so odd is that a lot of people um, in the animal rights community feel like, well, once animals get liberation, the world is now perfect. Like, that's all we need. If everybody stops eating animals, mm. everybody will heal. Everybody will be normal. Everything will be different. And the whole world will be at peace. And it's like, no, because within animal rights, you have racist, you have sexist, you have homophobia. You have all these things that still exist within animal rights. It's not a perfect <laughs> community by any means. So it's like, to me, you know, if you want the whole planet to evolve, you got to keep continuing to do the work, even outside of animal rights. Like this is not where it ends. Wasn't it Martin Luther King that said injustice anywhere is a threat to justice? That's everywhere. right. That's right. I always love that quote. And I always think about that. It seems like yeah. if you're going to fight in one area. You need to fight in all of them. Right. Right. And like I said, and if you can't and you just don't have the the capacity and it's just like too much for you, just. But I, I, I have a problem when people, I've seen people say, oh, I hate intersectionalists. I don't like intersectionality. We don't need to be, you know, fight for your own rights and things like that. But how do you expect to have an equitable planet and world if you only heal one section of it? Like veganism does not heal the whole world. It doesn't. I know that some people think it does, but I'm so sorry. It does not. It's a huge leap and planetary evolution. It's a huge leap in your own development because it's good for the body, mind, spirit, the soul. But that is not where it ends. Like there's still work to be done all over this planet. So that's my TED talk. <laughs> that's your TED talk. <laughs> Thanks for coming. <laughs> um, I want to ask you about it's changing the subject, but just for a minute here, I was curious if you had any health benefits when you went vegetarian or vegan. So I did. So what happened was um, a friend of mine had challenged me to a 28 day Daniel's fast, which is a book in the Bible to where you basically are vegan, um, but you're doing it for like spiritual reasons. And so we decided to do it together. And so my reason for doing it was so that I can manifest some things and have some clarity and all this other stuff. And hers was for it to make her prayers to be heard. And so um, I used to get extremely, when I say extreme, I mean very severe menstrual cycles. Like I plan my life around them because they would just like the pain, the heaviness, the exhaustion, the fatigue, the mood swings, like it totally controlled my life and they would last long. And I noticed at the end when I was done with the, the fast, um, my cycle had returned and I didn't even know it. I didn't have one ounce of pain in my body. I, my bloating was very minimal. Um, I was pleasant. Like I wasn't crying. I would, uh, oh, I would be a complete nightmare. <laughs> um, and it ended in three days. 
and it wasn't heavy. And I was just like, oh my God, it was like a cure. And so for me, I felt like it was because, you know, because I was eating animals. So I'm like, well, I don't know if I want to be vegan, but I'll definitely go vegetarian. And so I was on that journey for several years. But, you know, it's interesting because I didn't know the harms of, of dairy and what it was still doing in my body. And I was still, you know, as an adult, um, you know, in my 30s and early 40s, still getting like acne and things like that. And so once I finally went vegan, um, all of that stuff started clearing up, you know, and disappearing. And then when I started learning about it, I'm like, oh, it makes sense that I would have acne because there's pus trying to release itself through my skin, you know, all that type of thing. So. And that's but, from yeah. the dairy, from the dairy. Yes, because dairy has so much pus in it. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, with uh, Save Movement, we've been talking about like a, a campaign that we're working on. And I'm like, oh, we should do a got pus campaign so that, you know, to get teenagers. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they say, oh, it's because of, you know, uh, because you're a teenager. That's what teenagers do. They get acne. Well, why? Why do teenagers get acne? What is the scientific reason behind that? What's in, what's going on inside their body? Oh, it's hormones. Whose hormones? You know, like they don't break that down. You just accept those answers, never questioning. Well, what do you mean? It's just my hormones. It's just a, a, a rite of passage to get acne just because I'm a teen. No, you don't have to get it. If you probably cut out the, the cheese and the milk and the meats and all the stuff with the hormones in it. If you're taking in a cow's hormone, you probably won't have the acne. So that's something I try. I want to really bring more awareness to, especially in black communities, because they say that black women have a higher rate of getting like cystic fibroids and things like that. And if they were to eliminate the dairy, it would really cut down on that and help actually probably even cause some natural healing. So I just don't feel like enough people have the awareness of what it is they're drinking and what they're buying. Well, that segues into your act activities with the Black Women for Wellness, which mm -hmm. I found was a very interesting website when I was looking at it. And um, there was a lot about, I mean, I don't know how much you can push veganism within that organization, but definitely addressing some of the health issues that are, are uh, usually quite prevalent for mm -hmm. black women yeah so um collaborate with them so they um with black women for wellness every twice a month on thursdays um we go there and we uh provide groceries um in the form mostly of like organic fresh produce and also hot meals provide recipes uh sometimes we have like different booklets that we may put in there um but yeah they're very focused on doing a lot of education um, and, and cause when we first started, we kind of didn't know what we were doing, well, we knew what we were doing, but we were kind of like buying things for them without asking what they needed. At least we were for this particular program. So I think we had bought like some bread and peanut butter and jelly and all these different things. And so we ended up having a conversation like, you know what, we don't, we don't do these, uh, you know, enriched wheat breads and, <laughs> you know, ah. things like that. And these jellies with all this extra sugar. And I'm like, okay, so we'll, we'll, we'll focus more on a whole food plant-based type of thing, which found to be very refreshing. And so we're very careful even with the, you know, with the hot meals um, 
to make sure that the ingredients are are really good quality and that these are things that are, you know, really good for people. But that's really an issue for Black people is the uh, food deserts. Yes. Right? Yes. yes I mean, it, it's very prevalent. I grew up in one and didn't even realize it until like a couple of years ago. And I'm like, wait a minute. I totally grew up in a food desert. Um, I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, and during that time where I lived, like 70s, 80s, even part of the 90s, there was no supermarket. There was a supermarket for a few years. And then probably like maybe the early 80s, the supermarket left and none ever returned. And so, you know, for me, it would be the convenience store. Go there and get some Susie Q cakes and some chips and one of those little barrel juices filled with acid <laughs> and artificial coloring or eating at Popeye's chicken or, um, you know, but there was no place where you could really go and just like look at the different fruits. You know, for me, it was like it's weird. There's one of the groups I won't say which one, but one of the groups that we work with. I try to surprise them and put like really interesting things in there. So one time we had these uh, rambutans. They look like hairy grapes. They're like these little shell things with look like hair on them, but inside looks like a big grape. And then we did some like star fruits and different things. And so people were messaging me. They're like, oh my God, what is this? I've never seen this before. And somebody was like, you know, I've only, I'm only used to bananas, apples, you know, and strawberries and oranges. I'm not used to all these different array of different foods. And I was the same way until I moved to Miami and I'm in a supermarket. And I'm like, what? I had never seen a dragon fruit before in my life. I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> I was like blown away. I saw a star fruit and I'm like, what is it? Like, I was blown away because I had never seen these things in my entire life, not even pictures of them. But now I see this stuff all the time. But, you know, depending on where you live, you may not have access to certain things, which is, you know, really sad on this planet that we do this to each other and that we keep people, certain people in certain communities away from fresh foods. Because like the Rambutans, you know, and I looked them up, they're really good with helping people with diabetes and certain things like that. So all these foods have these natural healing abilities and people don't even know anything that, you know, don't even know that they exist. I've never heard of that before. A Ramadan? Yeah. Never. <laughs> Have you heard of it, Judy? No, I haven't. Okay, uh, well, it's not just them then. <laughs> <laughs> so it, the first time you found them was in L.A.? Um, the first time I heard of like, like a dragon fruit or a star fruit was when I lived in my, I lived in Miami for a few years. And I saw it and I was just like, what is especially the dragon fruit i'm like what is this big hot pink looking yes. ball <laughs> and i was remember asking, i'm like is this real i thought it was maybe some type of gmo you know frankenfood or something <laughs> but i found out it was real <laughs> interesting <laughs> so the other organization that you work with is um, animal save which i was not familiar with and then I Googled them and my gosh, they're like 20 miles away from where I live. Are you in Toronto? No, no, no. I, they're in Grass Valley. Or unless oh, because they're all different. over. 
They're all well, over they the are. Hulu. All over. All over. I so like the, I I wasn't familiar with the organization. Yeah. So the ah. founder, Anita Crine, she's in Toronto. That's why I thought you were saying that the founder is in um Toronto, but there's chapters all over ah. the world. Okay. All right. All and I thought, well, I wonder why she's working with an organization in Northern California. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh, so the founder, uh, Anita Crine, she was uh, with her dog one day and saw these um, pigs on a truck and saw them, you know, panting. And she gave one of the pigs water and she got arrested and went on trial. Oh, I'm familiar that's with that. Yep, yep. That's, that's her. her. So this, this is her organization. It started from that. Yeah, so um, I work why, for... Why she got arrested is just beyond comprehension yeah it, it makes sometimes i'm just like i reflect on this world and i'm just like it feels like i'm on a the most barbaric planet yeah yes ever. yes i i feel the same way sometimes yeah because they don't <laughs> want if they if people started to lend their empathy to it they'll stop eating them and if they stop eating right. them it'll shut down industries and it'll change the world and so you know yeah i yeah. i I was listening to a podcast that I always respected in the past, <laughs> and they had a food writer on there, and she was saying that the Impossible Burgers and the Beyond Meat Burgers have just as large of a carbon footprint <laughs> as animal yeah. agriculture, and I was like, I was screaming when oh, I heard wow. it. It's like, you have to be kidding me. And, and you it, put this woman on the radio and you you didn't ask for any specifics. And I mean, she was a food and wine writer. I mean, I, exactly. I don't think that makes her an expert. She's not, not a scientist. All. Not She's at all. She's not a nutritionist. She was talking about how, you know, growing soy and peas. Oh, just uh, just terrible. <laughs> yeah, and they skip right over the, the whole suffering and animal oppression piece. Like that's something... You try to throw that in, like, because it's like, you know what? Okay, if you want to have that argument that is creating carbon footprint, what about the suffering? Right. Like, let's right. compare that. Let's compare yeah, is yeah. the tofu suffering or is the cow suffering? So, yeah, but, yeah they don't yeah. have and then they, conversation. They don't talk about the environmental degradation. They don't talk about the health mm -hmm. issue. And they don't talk about the, the suffering of the animals, which, That's right. yeah. which to Sorry. me is... is all, it trumps all of that other stuff anyhow, in my opinion, because, you know, suffering is something that we should all be looking to put an end to, human, animal, all of it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Totally agree with you. Yeah. So what do you have on the horizon? You Before we started the interview, you said you were thinking about starting some other groups. You sound <laughs> pretty busy as it is. <laughs> well, not necessarily a group, but um, it's definitely time for me to um, put myself in a position of having my own nonprofit because a lot of people sometimes want to donate to to me and so certain things that I'm doing. So I'm like, you know what? I've been putting this off for so long because I just don't really want the extra work yeah. or responsibility. But I think it's something's telling me just to have myself in position. So um, I'm working on uh, a nonprofit um, and I wanted to encompass, you know, because for me, I 
I'll be into something and then I'm like, okay, this is great. Now I want to learn about this. Okay, I'm doing this. Now let me learn about this. So like I'm getting ready to take some courses about climate change because I want to be able to uh, converse more about that and have more conversations about what's going on with the climate, environmental, uh, racism and injustices. So I really, I know a little bit about little things, but I would like to go just a little bit deeper so I can expand my conversation and yes, be able to yes. talk with people of different, you know, backgrounds and things like that. Um, so right now I'm working on an organization called the Planetary Restoration Project. So that way, as I evolve, um, my organization is already in place because at first I was going to focus just on food. But I'm like, eh, I care more about just the food piece. I also care about what's going on with the planet. I also care about what's going on with the animals. I also care about what's going on with the environment. Maybe I want to plant some trees. Maybe, <laughs> I, you know what I mean? So <laughs> this kind of encompasses all of it. <laughs> Now, is this group, is this group, it's not in place yet? Is that correct? No, it's being worked on right now as a nonprofit. And tell me the name again so I can watch for it. Uh, the Planetary Restoration Project. So so basically, it's in my mind, what it really means, but I'm going to make it more sound more uh, environmentally sound but I'm very much a rainbows and unicorns type person so really for me it means uh, restoring heaven on earth and you do that by you know let's stop eating the animals let's stop harming each other let's stop killing one another let's stop killing them let's plant some trees let's plant some flowers let's uh, create a food bank and share some food uh, with, you know, different types of communities. So it's really just like a helping the planet heal and the people on it and just coming up with different ways of what that may look like. Well, I love that. It sounds great. And if we don't do something, we may not have a planet. That's right. <laughs> well, you know what I think? We'll have a planet. We just won't exist yeah. anymore. Yeah, right. <laughs> Right. That's yeah, we, we won't be in it. That's yeah. I, it. I think Mother Earth will be just fine. <laughs> yeah, and and it will be. It will be. Yeah, we think of everything that we do to affect the environment and the climate. It's just ugh, appalling. Yeah, wasn't it interesting when during the lockdown? It, when animals started roaming out everywhere and and oh my gosh and everything I, started getting greener and <laughs> and i live in a neighborhood that's um like kind of a little mountainous and so i when the lockdown first happened like the sounds of the birds they were just like and they sounded so it felt like they were like yes Nobody's out here. It's just us. Like the birds sound happier. The air, like the sky was so clear. The air smells so good. They even said that the ozone layer was starting to uh, repair itself and everything like the earth was starting to like really heal. And then we went right back into it. And like yesterday, um, there was an article that I read from a very credible source. I'm trying to pull it up now. Uh, anyway, I guess starting this summer, they're going to, this is an entrepreneur, uh, a project supported by Bill Gates is set to temporarily dim the sun. Beginning this summer, a large balloon will be launched in Sweden 
that will spew out particles of calcium carbonate, which essentially, which is essentially chalk dust. So they're going to use that as a way to cool the planet down by dimming the sun. And I just don't, it makes more sense to me to work on eating less animals and, you know, fossil fuels, all this other stuff than to actually do that because you still have these other issues that are going to be going on. So well, it might be a stopgap while we get our program together, hopefully under President Biden. Yeah. Hopefully. You know what I'm saying? It could yeah. be a temporary measure to at least help, I, you know, because a lot of the migrants that are coming up from uh, South America, a lot of them and from Mexico and Guatemala. And it's, it's, yes, there's violence down there. There's gangs down there. But some of it has to do with climate change that they yeah. can't grow food. Yeah. And, and really so maybe sad. this is, a, you know, like a stopgap until we can really reduce our carbon footprint. But Let's I hope. always worry, is it going to cause more damage? Because every time we start messing around with nature, it seems like, Things get worse. Yes. I, I that's, what, that. that's exactly what I think. I'm like, every time we interfere in our little man-made ways, we create another problem that, that then needs to be solved. Yeah. So it's a little scary just, you know, just to read that we're going to dim the sun. Yeah. I know. It's amazing. So, yeah, well, like I said, Mother Earth isn't going anywhere. It'll be us. <laughs> so Right. Consequences right. are ours to take. <laughs> been such a pleasure talking to you, Gwenna, and I just congratulate you and all of your activism and everything that you're doing. It's, it's just admirable. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. I appreciate and that. Are there any final thoughts that you would like to leave for our listeners? Um, yeah, I think so. Because um, I have to tell you, like, my message, because I've had to, like, figure out, like, what is your message, Gwenna? Like, it's not, you know, in the beginning, it was go vegan. You know, when I first started out in this thing, it was like, go vegan. But I'm like, okay, what does that actually mean? And my message, like, it continues to evolve. And um, for people, it's, you know, what I like to say to people is, because there's so many fights on this planet, and most of the fights begin with ourselves. They're internal for the most part. And then they manifest to to other people and and animals. But it's that, you know, we come to this planet, we're all sovereign and we're all free. But, you know, you come to a planet where everything is free. The food grows from the trees. It comes from the ground. The water just comes from the sky. Uh, the air, you don't have to tell it to blow. It just knows when to do it. There's warmth that comes from, from the sky. Um, Everything knows what to do when it's supposed to do it. And I just want people just to realize like a lot of the controls on the planet. I want people to really just be able to open their eyes and see that on this planet, a lot of the things that happen are because we agree to them and because we continue to do them. And yeah, there's consequences if you decide not to, or if you shake, shake the boat a little bit or, or rattle things but it's still a choice. And I just want people to realize that a lot of what we participate in, um, as far as people telling you what rights you have, 
Oh, now you can get married to the same sex if you want. Oh, now you can marry a black person if you want. You won't go to jail now. Like giving people rights that aren't anyone's to even take to begin with. So I just want people to realize like, and I got to be careful how I say this. I know I'm on your radio show, but um, a lot of what's happening on this planet is where a lot of us are being controlled and programmed and manipulated, just like we were told to, you know, eat another animal's body. You know, like when I realized that I was eating a dead body, I was like, you mean I've been, you know, and I had that realization. I'm like, oh my God, all this time I've been eating a dead body. It was like I woke up in a horror movie. You know, we eat their butts, their legs, their arms, the insides of them, their organs, where their skin, you know, their blood, um, all these just really different things that you'd never really question. So I just want people just to start paying it, just do more of a self-evaluation of the things that you've been programmed to believe and programmed to think is normal and programmed that you just never have questioned. And once you start doing that and you start seeing how you start to wake up and see how insane it is <laughs> that you've been following these programs and yeah, waking up can be scary, but it's also very freeing and liberating because once we all start to wake up, we can't be controlled anymore and we can't be manipulated anymore. So just start to question, you know, all of the different systems within the systems, because, you know, even I'm still running certain programs when it comes to, you know, gender and when it comes to race and when it comes to certain things. So just always keep questioning every single thing. Keep evolving. If you think the same way you did 10 years ago, there's something wrong. You should continue to evolve your thoughts and your ways. And the more you open your heart to like love, like that's the whole point is love. That is the ultimate. I know that sounds all cheesy and all fairy tale-ish and all that, but it's really a, a true universal power. So the more that you love, the more power you have. And the more you can take charge of your life, and the more we all take charge of our lives, the more we heal ourselves, and the more we heal ourselves, the more we heal the planet. And that's what I got to say. <laughs> Great advice. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Quetta. You've been listening to a KPOV Critical Conversation. To hear more engaging interviews on important topics, please visit kpov.org slash critical conversations.